Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Comic Talk, the podcast. My name is Jesse Rivera. Today is Monday, September the 28th, 2020. This is episode number 73, and our guest is Jessica Roberts. But we'll get to her in just a minute. I want to talk about Lovecraft Country. What a crazy show. Have you been watching this? I think everybody's watching it. It's kind of like the Sunday night thing. It's on HBO Max. Uh, There's a lot of stuff like behind Lovecraft Country. Like everybody knows like who, like a lot of people know who wrote it and like the backstory of it and like what it was adapted from and all that stuff. I, I just started watching it one Sunday because it was the new show and we had just finished watching something else. So we needed a new show to watch. And it was in the queue. We watched it. We were not disappointed. And every week it gets crazier. And I'm kind of glad that it's just like a once a week show. Like, I'm glad it's not on Netflix. Because, you know, like when it's on Netflix, you just watch everything in one day or in a couple of days. It's it's good because, like, I need a little bit of time out from the show every time the show ends. Another show that I had to take a little time out from was Ratchet on Netflix. I watched three episodes of that the other night, and that show is another batshit crazy show. But what I love about Ratchet is, like, it's filmed, like, it takes place in the 60s, so it's got, like, all the cool cars, all the cool clothes. It's set in Northern California, so all kinds of great scenery. But, man, Ratchet is one crazy lady, and I I needed to take a little bit of a break, but I think I'm going to jump back into that one. Maybe, like... Tuesday or Wednesday yeah because I got stuff to do tomorrow so I've been watching those two shows I'm really looking forward to did you catch the trailer for the Mandalorian Woo! oh gosh I cannot wait for that show to start and that that one's on HBO Max so that's no that's on Disney right that's a Disney Plus show and it's like one episode per week so you gotta wait and the episodes are only a half hour long I love everything about that Give me some more Baby Yoda, half hour at a time, once a week, for the next several weeks, starting at the end of October. I'm stoked. Um, still kind of pumped about Cobra Kai. I cannot <laughs> cannot wait for the next season of Cobra Kai. But that's been going on. I've been doing some writing. been doing some uh, Zoom comedy. I've been doing some Zoom game shows. I did uh, Trivia Killed the Radio Star with uh, my buddy David Coleman. And uh, that went really well. I'm going to be doing the uh, the uh, movie trivia show with uh, Buddy, uh, Bud, Dr. Buddy Love. What's his official name? I don't know. I know what his last name is, but he doesn't like to use it. So, Dr. Buddy, he has a movie trivia show. I will be doing that this week. And also this week, I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm going to be doing a movie podcast with Rhoda D. Ramon. And we're going to be talking about one of my favorite movies of all time, Almost Famous. I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. And then since then, I've been going down the rabbit hole of just like watching all the deleted scenes and just like like Cameron Crowe talking about the movie. I freaking love Almost Famous. And I'm so looking forward to doing a podcast that is going to feature only Almost Famous. So doing that on Tuesday, but I'm not sure when it airs, but I'll post on my social medias. Um, 
you know, comic talk, the podcast. And uh, I, I changed my Instagram name to at two Jess because it's nice and short and it's easier to fit in the YouTube videos. That's why I did it. Okay. So enough about me. I've been having fun. Been watching some great shows. Been doing a little bit of comedy. But now let's get on with episode number 73 of Comic Talk, the podcast, and our guest, Jessica Roberts. Have a great week, everybody. Peace. Now you're not ready. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it popped out and went back right. So is it Jessica Roberts? Is it Jessica Eagleson? What is it officially? Um, well, legally, my name is Jessica Eggleston. Eggleston. It's Eggleston. Yeah, but most of the time people screw it up in Eagleston or Eggleston or something. And so uh, since I got the divorce, I go by my stepfather's name, which is Roberts. Robert, what is, so what's your birth last name? My birth last name is DePriest. DePriest? Yeah. So is that, is that Irish? What is that, Scottish? I think it's French and it means. No, it is French. The D-U. No, it's D-E actually. Oh, D-E. It's not DePriest. But it's really funny because like spell check when I used to do it back, (laughs) when I used to write my name was like depressed, deprived, deprived. And I'm just like, (laughs) wow, even fucking spell check knows I'm screwed up. But yeah, no, it's, um, it's really weird because it's not a very common last name. And it's not, it's interesting. I met a girl. She's actually on my page now on Facebook. But she had commented on someone's shit, and her name literally was Jessica DePriest. And I was like, bro, I have to add you because you literally are my maiden name. And her and I talked shit back and forth. And I think somewhere along the line, she was married to someone in my family, weirdly enough. But you haven't figured it out yet. And no, she has been. Because I have a dysfunctional family, and I don't know everyone. <laughs> oh, who doesn't? <laughs> just say oh, you have, you no, could just say you have a family, and like, you know, everyone's family. I don't know, though, because, like, when I tell stories about, like, my childhood and weird shit, like, people just start glazing over with this look of horror, and I'm like, oh, that's not normal. Okay. No, no, you know what it is. It's just, like, it's glazing over with the look of, like, wow, she's brave enough to admit the stuff I'm keeping in my closet. (laughs) That is a potential. Sometimes I'm one of those people that I overshare just because, like, I don't care. I don't have, I do have shame, but I don't give a shit. Oh, sounds like you're a comic. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, I mean, the the first clue is when you said you're one of those people who overshare. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's definitely something that uh people who like to get up on microphones and tell stories are are often accused of. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, there are some some comedians that I that I've met in our scene too that are actually quite quiet off of the stage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it it depends because there's some people where you're like trying to talk to them they're just kind of staring at you like please go away. So, I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert, but I'm only an extrovert when I get on stage. But even yeah. then, I'm still introverted, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> your your camera's a little bit high. Like we're cutting you off. Like no, there you go. Yeah, we were cutting I mean, you off right here. You know, and uh, maybe I wanted to cut off right there. I don't like, know. That's, no, that was that was your chance to down. say. That was your chance to say, no, that's, that's what it is, Jesse. That's nah, what it is. I don't, I don't really care. Actually, I'm quite proud of the way I look today. It, it's, taken, it's taken me a long time to get there. Uh-huh. But, like, I've lost, I've lost weight, and I, you know, I, I started to become comfortable in my own skin. But a lot of that had to do with my relationship with my ex-husband. 
he used to talk mad shit about me, about, you know, oh, I never wanted a, a, a wife that had tattoos and multiple colored hair. And, but then I got you and it's just like, oh, what am I, a consolation prize? And then it was just always like, just little digs here and there, especially like my favorite one was you can take the girl out the trailer park, but you can't take the trailer park out of the girl. <laughs> oh my like, gosh. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, I'm not like trashy or anything. Like I was, I was actually, um, my daughter was one and I was pretty much by myself and I was working 12 hour shifts, six to seven days a week and taking care of a kid and all that stuff. And the only thing I could afford because I have no credit history or family to help, um, I could only afford to live in a trailer park for like a, a year. <laughs> so he just kind of used that shit against me a lot. And so I always had this weird, well, I just had this like weird idea of like what people saw me as. And uh -huh. so now that I'm divorced and, 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 and a lot of it actually, and I've said it multiple times on Facebook and other platforms, just if it wasn't for the people in my comedy community and in my, in my life, like, I don't think I would have gained as much uh, backbone as I have now because they're just like, I don't give a fuck. You're cool. Like just be yourself, just do you. And it's like, I don't even know how to do me because I've been, doing what other people want of me for so long and so now i'm like holy crap i'm a fucking nerd and it's awesome yes <laughs> yeah yeah you know same with me like I, I i have a great supportive family and i have this like really tight circle of friends who've always supported me but when i started doing stand-up when i started hitting open mics and i started like talking about the stuff that i would never talk about normally and got encouraged by other comics of like, that was great. That was interesting to say that. That's when oh, yeah. I really started to really, like how you just said, get comfortable in my own skin and not feel that like what I was was something that I needed to hide or not talk about, you know? Right. And well, like even I talk about being chunky in my standup because it's, I mean, when you look at a person, you know, are they skinny? Are they fat? Are they short? Are they this? Are they that? And it's like, you know what? I'm going to take the most vulnerable part of me and I'm going to make fun of it on stage because I don't give a shit. And, you know, most times it's, it's pretty successful. I mean, not, you know, you know how jokes go, either they land yeah. or they don't. But majoritively when I talk about being chunky and fat and, and, and that kind of stuff, like people are like, oh, I get it. Like, cause you, I, I bring the insecurity, but in a funny way. And, and people are like, Oh no, I totally get that. Did, did you ever go through a phase? Because I know that I did where like before comedy, you would uh, make fun of being chunky or fat as, as kind of like a defense mechanism of like, I'm going to make fun of myself before I give you a chance to make fun of myself. Cause I know I did that. Oh yeah. Well, cause okay. So you got, I don't know if you know the movie. Oh crap. No, I can't remember the movie. Uh, it's that acapella singing freaking movie. Oh. The with the with with that cute girl with Anna. Yeah, with Anna, Anna Kendrickson. Kendrick. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is it? Yeah, we know what it is. I'll, I'll okay. put it. Yeah, Anna but Kendrickson. We, That's all you had yeah. to say. Yeah, and um, I uh, I remember one of the things in it was uh, Rebel Wilson. She was like, "They call me Fat Amy," and I'm, they're like, "What?" why do you call yourself fat Amy? So all you skinny bitches can't do it first, basically. Like, I don't, I, this, that was the gist of it. And I'm just like, all right. So if I already talk shit about the fact that I'm, I'm heavier, then it kind of removes that power from someone else. Yeah. <laughs> so 
yeah, that's what I I I go up and I I talk about like my fat stuff and and I I did that in in real life because I was just like, all right, I'm already chunky. So basically, like Taco Tuesdays is my religion, and I'm gonna talk about I'm gonna talk about how I can eat 20 fucking I actually cannot eat 20 fucking tacos, but you know that's what I, I would joke about it. I'd be like, fuck yeah, it's Taco Tuesday. Like, let's go. Like, they're on me or whatever. Like, it was just it was it was fun to be able to take that power away from someone because. Yeah it's it's really sad because now it's like okay now you got to talk about something else because like like you said first first we see like what's obvious about someone they're tall they're short they're skinny they're fat and Mm -hmm. and then once we get past that then once we get past that layer then we get to see like what the what the real person is but um getting past that first layer is really difficult you know it can it can be. It's kind of like the whole like Shrek things. Like ogres have layers. <laughs> like you break, you keep breaking those layers down, or whatever that little Russian doll where you just, yep, you know, just like taking them down and everything. It's just like, at some point you're gonna come to the real part. And like I don't know if I've really given. I, I recently I have, but I don't know if I've really ever in in my life really given someone the actual real me. And you know, more recently I've been doing it because. Um, I'm kind of tired of putting on a mask and not like COVID shit, but you know, like I'm tired of putting on a mask just to suit somebody else's shit. So I'm yeah. like, you know what? Fuck this. This is who I am. If you don't like me for who I am, I'm, I'm fucking done. I'm tired of trying to be something for someone else. Like I need to be me. I only get one fucking life and I'm tired of it being depressed or anxiety ridden or whatever, because I'm worried about what somebody else thinks of me. Exactly. And you know what, at the end of the day, not, not a lot of friends is a really good thing. Like we don't need to have like, I know on Facebook, we have like a 1000 friends that like, you know, like with all of us comedians, there's like 400 mutuals. (laughs) Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, it's it's a handful of people that like, uh, that I will totally let my guard down with and, and just be myself with and and uh, the rest of them, I'm cool with like, I'm, I'm, I know a yeah. lot of people, but I only have a handful of friends. It's something that I, I like to say a lot, you know? Yeah, that's that's one of the, like, you know, I go I go through a lot of crap right now, like, with custody and some other stuff with my ex. And, like, I, I realize that there's a time and place to say things, like, especially on social media. And a lot of people like to overindulge. And, like, I'm learning to, like, not do that because there are so many people just chomping at the bit waiting to bite and use something you said against you in a very harmful and hurtful way. So I'm like, nope, don't, don't do it. Don't, don't, don't hit enter. Like, just leave it alone. Don't post it. You don't need to post it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a really interesting time for that because uh, we've been, a, we've, uh, with the since March, right? We've been alone so much. We've been isolated so much that uh, it's it's a lot easier to use social media to, to communicate and to reach people. Um, but it's at the same time, it's just, it's just putting yourself out there and being extra vulnerable, and it's not not always a good thing. No, and I I mean I've <laughs> being in in quarantine and COVID and things like that, especially newly single and all that, <laughs> like. Yeah, I I have I've had my moments where like it probably shouldn't have been said. <laughs> well, to be to be in all in all honesty and in all fairness, you have had an intense 
what three years, two years win. So let's 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 give the people a little bit of a backstory with you. Yeah, you started comedy how long ago? Two and years. <laughs> two. It's been two years. And did yeah. you start after? So you 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 lost your home in the in the in the fires how long ago? November eighth, two thousand and eighteen. I was a part of the campfire that up until current times was the largest fire in California history. It burned the size of Chicago um, into the mountain that I used to live in. And how long had you lived on that mountain? Almost five years. So was that where like you had been married? Like you were married and that, that 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 was home during that marriage? Yeah, uh, I moved in with my ex-husband um, in January of 2015, actually. So no, I'd only been I'd only been living there for, since 2014, so about four years. But um, but yeah, I'm I had moved in and um, we weren't married at the time, but we did um, we we I I should say I was religious at the time. I'm not currently. Okay. But, um, I, uh, we were very pressured by the church to get married, um, because we were living in sin. Um, How dare you? <laughs> I know, fucking bastard. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, no, um, we had gotten married in December of 2015. Um, so we waited like until the end, till the for the, for like a year. Um, but it was very rushed and probably should have never have done it. But I did get my son out of that. So I absolutely find that a victory because my son's awesome. But yeah, no, I lived up there. Um, I um, I decided after my daughter went to school that I was going to start a candy company. Um, I know how to make handmade candies, uh, like older stuff that people don't really um think of is more because I again I catered to old folks because we were in the Baptist church and they were mostly just old folks and they were like oh you know candied orange peel and divinity which divinity in and of itself is a pain in the ass and they should rename it is awful and a pain in the ass to make because if the temperature is wrong the whole, the, the moisture is wrong or whatever it just doesn't work <laughs> and it falls so it's a pain in the ass to make but yeah, no, I, I started a candy company up there um, in 2016. Uh, shortly after, I there was a chocolate competition that they have every year in Paradise. It's the uh, Paradise's annual chocolate fest, and I had won. Um, I had won making uh, candy, and so I was like, you know what, I'm going to open a business. So I opened a business. Uh, which in my opinion, for someone who only had one employee and one worker, I, I pumped out a lot of candy <laughs> and it was fun. Um, and then probably 2017, we made the decision to become adoptive parents and I put up my candy business and cause I had a feeling that my son was going to be born rough because we had a homeless couple show up at our church and basically squat there until she gave birth and it was just a nightmare for two months and then when he was born he was born addicted and the and the folks that were at the paradise birth birthday place i think it's called i should know this because i was there for a long time um uh 
he came into our lives and and it was it was pretty crazy and stuff and then 2018 was a rough year uh just with my daughter and my son and some other stuff and uh yeah it was really crazy like i was looking at a i was looking at a memory today and uh it was my son like trying to eat food and in the background you could see our house <laughs> which sucks but um because it's really shitty like now because you look back on all these memories and it's just it's this house that you built like your life in yeah and on november 18th literally i like because there's a part in between paradise and megalia because i i technically lived in megalia and there's a there's like a dam right there and everybody said the dam's right there it can't get past it whatever but what happened was is the smoke was so thick and the winds were so strong that usually the chunks of ember that would go up and dissipate were literally coming back down and raining onto the the area and it was just spreading faster and faster and a friend of mine um champagne she she drove in front of my house and it was fucking pandemonium that day like people were fist fighting in the street and shit like that it was just it was nuts you just hear tires squealing and just everyone's trying to get out but we couldn't go through paradise because they had blocked it off so you either had to go all the way up and around but around that time power was about to die like it, they just turned off the power <laughs> We had no cell phones. We had no way to pump gas or anything like that. And I told my friend, I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it down the hill. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I know a back road. And we, we literally went down this dirt road um, that, uh, that was a one, one lane road. People were trying to, like, there was two idiots that tried to come up the road. And I was like, oh, we're all going to die out here. <laughs> we're going to fall off the side of the mountain. There's no guardrails out here. It's just a dirt ass road and who and, who is who is this this is you your friend your son your daughter and your husband no my my actually i was by myself my husband at the time uh was working in san jose for the kellogg corporation he worked okay. for Ego waffles or some shit i don't know but um basically from where he was at you could in san jose as he's driving up he said all you saw was like a black ominous giant cloud like it was crazy but i hadn't i there was like three hours or so where neither one of us could you know get a hold of each other and what had happened like i should back up a little bit <laughs> what had happened was is my friend pulls up in front of my house she has all her kids in the car her her husband has the other vehicle she's like bro we got to get the hell out of here like this isn't good i was like oh no they say it's just you know, it'll, it'll be fine. We're not going to, you know, we're here up in Miguelia. We'll be fine. And she's like, no, dude, I've seen this before. It's time to go. Cause I was going to wait it out. I'm glad I didn't. But, um, I had, uh, we had drove and literally in a, in a, I don't know if you've ever been to a small mountain town, but it's just like, you never see like traffic or anything unless like there might be an accident, which is very few and far between. It was so lined up and, uh, people were literally having like backpacks and shit, just jumping into the back of other people's vehicles and, and leaving. Nobody even gave a shit that it was illegal. They were just like, fucking go. And so we had gone to Nimshu and we had turned down Nimshu and followed it down to Centerville and then Centerville is where it was the dirt road and 
I lived in the mountains and we had tree, uh, we had a tree sap all over the windshield. And when I hit that dirt road, like it was, there was no, you couldn't see anything. Um, I basically blinded myself and I, I, I had a car that's a little, a little hanky. And so hitting the windshield wipers, there was no water that came out. So I couldn't clean it out. So basically Gosh. I followed my friend's taillights through a little hole that didn't have any dirt or anything. And I'm just like, looking through and following her and hoping not to go off the side of the road. Cause I, I was driving a big ass navigator and, um, and, uh, we had gotten down finally and we had gotten to a, a place called honey run road. And when we got to honey run road, you could see fire on the ridge. Like you could see it just kind of fly like little flares and stuff. And I was like, Oh, it's up there. We got plenty of time and not knowing how fast the fire was, had we got stranded there for any reason, like I probably would have burned to death because <laughs> I didn't. And it's weird because you don't realize how close to danger you were until after and finding out like how fast, I think they said it was like eight, 80 or eight football fields per second or something like that. And like where it was to where we were, that would have gotten us. And as we're driving down Honey Run, um, we just see these big ass fire trucks going door to door, literally not jogging, not not kind of walking, like straight running full sprint to the door, banging on them like get the fuck out. And um, and that that can that obviously concerned me, um, but Honey Run. Uh, dips out and it and it goes uh, when you get to Honey Run towards the end to the actual streetlight. That's when you're in Chico, and then when we hit Chico, it literally looked like a fucking apocalypse movie. It was crazy. There was all because there's four lanes that like one goes up, one goes down into Paradise. All four lanes were going the 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 same way down. Everybody was trying to get out. Thousands of people. And it was just, people were so stressed and their children, cause some kids, some people went to school and then the teachers and everything went into fucking like gangster mode and like got a lot of these kids out, threw them in their cars, drove down, shit's burning and exploding around them and, and, and fucking all the, I, I was lucky enough that my daughter literally went to school around the corner from my house, but I was, I was just so shocked. Like everybody is just shell shocked and scared and screaming and again, fighting and, and all of that. And, but the cool, the cool thing about it all was it didn't matter if you were a firefighter. It didn't matter what the fuck color your skin was. It didn't matter any of that. That day we were in survival mode and it was really cool to see like the human side of things. And after we had gotten down from, from, uh, from the mountain and we get into Chico, we're just like standing there and it's, and you know, people will say, oh, it was raining ashes here. And it's like, that was nothing. When they're like this big and chunks are hitting you and they still are warm, that's a problem. And, uh, we're sitting at the neighborhood church. If you ever go to Chico, it literally looks like a half of a gold. Uh, I call it the golf ball church because it literally looks like half a gold golf ball has been chopped in half. It's really weird. 
And uh, we're standing there and we're just like, what the, the fuck do we do? Like, I don't, I don't know what, what to do. Like, you know, and uh, my friend had uh, her husband work for Sierra Nevada. And so Sierra Nevada had opened up their uh, conference room or whatever the room is uh, to employees and their families. So we lied and said that I was her sister. <laughs> so um, we get in there and they have pizza and food and drinks and uh, they're playing the new Incredibles 2 movie that um, I think it just come out on DVD or <laughs> I don't know exactly when it came out, but I had never uh, really seen it. And so my daughter uh, was like, wow, it's the Incredible 2s and then or, or the Incredibles 2. And uh, my son, he was barely a little over one so he wasn't really paying attention and then my my ex-husband finally met up with us and like we're just like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do um and basically what had happened was a friend of ours paid for a hotel but the fucked up thing was is because of the fire and everything else there was no vacancies for miles like we had to drive over an hour to reading yeah we went to reading and we drove all the way to Reading to a hotel and we just kind of unpacked and I didn't realize it until I had gotten there. My ex didn't deal with being in the smoke and the fire, but I smelled like I had like fallen in a campfire and so did my kids. Uh, so basically I got them a bath. I got them all done. I was like, you know what? Everything's going to be fine and everything. We got them hushed to sleep. And then it hit me. I was like, dude, I think we might lose our house. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, uh, he's like, no, no, it's fine. It's Miguel. It's Miguel. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. There was just something in the, I don't know if it's because the way that I grew up and everything, but like, I always find the dark part of it. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, no, dude, like something's telling me, my gut's telling me that we lost our house. And so a friend of mine, um, who lived across the street. Her, her mother owned uh, Jackie's Hilltop Cafe, uh, my friend uh, Brooke, and her husband and children. I, I always made the joke because I was like, I could literally throw a rock at your house because I could. Um, from my doorstep to hers, I could literally throw a rock. And uh, she had sent me a picture. I believe. Yeah, no, actually, she sent me a picture on the 8th. Um, was it the 8th or was it Friday? I don't know. It was either Friday or the 8th, the actual day of the fire. But she had sent me a picture of their house and it literally looked like a nuclear bomb had gone off. And me being stupid, I'm like, is my house still there? And she's like, uh-uh. How far away like, from her house was your house? Probably like, I don't know, probably like 200 feet. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't, it was probably maybe like, I mean, not 200 feet, probably like two, I don't know, 20 yards, maybe something uh -huh. like that. It was, it wasn't that far. Literally, like we used to wave at each other all the time, but um, it was really strange because like, it just hadn't hit me yet. And I was just like, okay. And so I showed it to my ex and I mean, we cried obviously, but it didn't really hit me. It didn't really set in yet. It didn't do that for like another month. <laughs> That's a different story. But um, like, I, I remember, 
I think the place is called Cor Caroline's or Coraline's, something like that. It's a restaurant in uh, Reading, and we'd gone there to eat dinner. But like honestly, the only thing I did was uh, drink a couple of screwdrivers because <laughs> I was just so stressed and and stuff. Um, I didn't want to eat, but I also didn't want to feel too much. <laughs> so um, we had told him, you know, that we were the we were some some of the campfire people. These freaking folks were so cool. They comped our meal, which we weren't, that's not what we were looking for. We were just kind of shell-shocked, like, yeah, this is where we're from. And, uh, yeah, they, they had found out where we were staying, and the, the people had come together and brought, like, our kids' clothes, like, brand-new clothes and toys and shit from, like, Walmart. It was really fucking cool. Um, weirdly enough, a lot of people were doing that, and um, I... Uh, I don't know. It was just, it was weird. And then we had acquired a, um, sorry, if you can hear my roommate. <laughs> um, one of the, one of the things that we finally acquired probably about two, two weeks after the fire was an RV. Um, and so we were, we were staying at a park um, that was opened up. It usually doesn't allow for RVs, but because of the because of the fire and everything like that, they kind of like relaxed those um, those things. And we had stayed in an RV and it was Thanksgiving and I was pissed. And um, yeah, <laughs> freaking we had people knocking on our door like constantly, like giving us stuff like wine and, and bread and, and food and all this other stuff. And I was just like, I don't even drink wine. Like we didn't even know what to do with, like we were just, it was, we were still even a couple, you know, cause it happened November 8th. Thanksgiving was in the 20s of that. I don't remember. It's a bit of a blur, but it was in the 20s of that time, uh, whatever day in the 20s it was. And freaking, like, it was just, it was so weird. Like, it was. And during that time, we were always in lines for like supplies or lines to get our mail in line. We were just, everything was being in lines. And me being the uncomfortable person that I am, when I am uncomfortable, I break out in jokes. And so I just started riffing and just riffing. Every time I was in line, I would just riff. And fucking people would be laughing, like not just hee hee, like straight up dying laughing at some points. And I had one person who, I they just looked super angry the whole time. And I was like, what the, damn bro, like smile. And then they came up to me and they started crying. <laughs> And I was like, oh shit, what the hell? And they're like, thanks, I needed that. And that was the day that I decided to really pursue comedy. Wow, that is such a crazy story, Jessica. That shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I say I put the fun in dysfunction. <laughs> How'd you end up in Sacramento after all that? Um, we had moved to Woodland because he had a job. Are you in Sacramento or are you like Woodland? Like where? No, I live in Sacramento now. Okay, yeah. I do. I do. But we had moved to Woodland first and we had gotten this like really in the middle of nowhere country house. Um, and it was good for the kids to not, because see, we, we were from the, the country, well, mountain country, whatever the fuck you want to call get it. it. Yeah. But, and so my kids really haven't. And I don't want to sound rude in any sense, but they haven't really been in an urban setting ever. 
So I, I, one of my things was I didn't want to shock them too much. Yeah. Cause we'd, we'd already dealt with the trauma and my daughter has ADHD and other issues from, from prior uh, trauma. And so we were just like, what's the best route for us to take? And so we had taken the route of privacy and, and out in the middle of nowhere. Um, sorry, my Bixby for some reason activated <laughs> when I said privacy, but um, so we had, we had gone out there. Uh, we went to sign my daughter up for school because it was after the, no, was it after the Christmas break? Yes, it was. It was after the Christmas break. Um, dur during that time from, uh, from the beginning of December to the end of December or, yeah, we had actually stayed in Gridley, California for a month at this really lovely lady Kathy's house. Um, she, we were calling around to all the RV parks trying to get a place to where we could fucking, you know, set up, but everything was, everything was shut, everything was shut, everything was shut because they were all full. Well, we had called this one RV place and they just randomly were like, Kathy, hey. And so, uh, and it was really, it so sounded so hickish. And, and I actually used to live in Gridley uh, in a group home many, many years ago. Um, I think, how old was I? 13. So 22 years ago, I'd lived there. And I knew the teachers and I knew I, I, it's a very small town. And so I knew a lot of teachers and stuff like that. And so it was kind of nice to come back because that was around uh, eighth grade, ninth grade and 10th grade for me. And so I did, I had a lot of memories there and it was cool for a little bit. Um, but we couldn't stay there because of the travel for my ex, but it was really nice that that lady literally had us park on her property and she didn't ask a damn thing from us. And she, even to this day is still very, very, uh, lovely to speak with. And she's a, uh, a friend that we've made through, through that tragedy. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then we moved to Woodland into the little farmhouse type place and I started hitting comedy uh I won't say hard so is that is that like December 2018 January 2019 uh we moved in uh fuck I think we moved in like the last week or or so of January to Woodland okay so that's 2019 so, now so it's 2019 now yeah, And I really started, because my first comedy show was in a place called the Whitewater Saloon in Paradise, California. So my first onstage anything, that was that. And so I, I don't know if I can consider that like my first and my start, but like, that's what I do because that's my story. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time you picked up yeah. a mic. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I'm sitting there and I'm like it's just killing me. There's just this, you know, as well as I do that, like a lot of us use our comedy as therapy. And so I was just sitting there like, I just need to make people laugh. It makes me feel better. And like my, my ex doesn't really laugh at my stuff. He breaks it down and tries to analyze it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, this is not fun for me. <laughs> so I started looking around and Dylan Collins from Chico and some other dude that I don't care to mention. Um, they, there was this lady named Wendy Lewis 
and she was on all, like some of their stuff and I clicked into it and I was like, oh, she's from Sacramento. So I messaged her. <laughs> so I messaged her and I, she don't know me from fucking nobody, bro. So like I message her and I'm like, hey, I noticed you do a lot of stuff in Sacramento. I just moved here. Like I was being that dorky little like, hi, I, I see you do this and I'd really like to do that too. So it was like, can we be friends kind of shit? And uh, yeah. Well, I her, did the same shit, man. <laughs> dude, her response was not as friendly as I um, thought it was going to be. But I realized, I didn't realize the caliber of comedian she was. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, Oh, okay. And then, um, and, and actually she has turned out to be a very lovely woman. I should probably really put that in there, but I understand because, um, you know, being from the outside of the Sacramento comedy community and coming into it, like I could kind of see where somebody will leech onto another comic and try and like ride their coattails or something. So I can understand why her response was the way that it was for sure now <laughs> but then i was just like oh my god is this you know hopefully she's nice but she did she's actually turned out to be quite a sweetheart i absolutely yeah love she's her. the nicest yeah i love and respect her and i love the fact that if i have a question or or like something like that i can now come to her and be like hey you know what about this or you know whatever and she will give me a straightforward no bullshit answer which i love i don't like being i don't like beating around the bush or anything so the first time that I ever did comedy in Sacramento, I had looked on the SAC comedy scene uh, thing, and it said comedy spot. Bring somebody and you get on. <laughs> and um, I had brought my husband at the time and my mom and dad, my foster mom and dad, um, Caesar and Susie. And it was the most like I look at the set now because I've recorded it I have it and I look at it and I'm like that's trash but that night I was like oh my god I'm so hilarious I made people laugh this is the greatest but like now after like learning how to do joke writing and learning how to do stuff and I still have so much to learn I'm not saying I'm a fucking pro or anything not yet but <laughs> like I look back on that and it was funny because the person before me was from Chico and this was probably February-ish. And the person before me was from Chico and they were talking about how the campfire this and all this other stuff. And he's like, I really can't speak too much on it or whatever. And then I come out and I'm like, I'm so stupid. I come out and I'm like, my name's Jessica and I'm from the campfire. <laughs> like now that I look at it and, and watch the tape, the other thing too is I suffer from um, misophonia. I think that's how you say it. And the whole time in the recording, I can fucking hear my ex breathing. So like, and it's, it's just one of those things. It's a thing that triggers the, the rage and shit. It could also be because I fucking <laughs> can't stand him anymore, but there's, a, it could be that, it could be that, but it doesn't help. But like, it's just like, it, it, I just look at it and I go, all right, I went from there and now I'm here. So, and, and it was cool. Like I did that. And then the next thing that I did was the pro-am at laughs unlimited. And that's when I met Ellis. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it was, tr I, I almost contemplated. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, because afterwards I talked to Ellis 
And I was like, so what did you think? Like, how, how did it go? And he's like, if you were a motivational speaker, I would go see you all day. But the problem is, is you don't have any fucking jokes. Like you had like two, but other than that, like your storytelling up there, it's like you need to hit punchline. And then he starts breaking it down and I'm just like overwhelmed. I'm like, what the, I thought I had good shit. And so I went home and redid it and redid it. And, you know, during this time, my daughter's going to school and she's, you know, um, learning her, her place in, in, in her group of friends and all this. And it's really rough for her because this is the third school she's been to in less than four months. And then it's all a new group of kids. And I was a foster kid. I know all too well what it's like to be that new kid many times. Cause like even in, in 2006 or 2001 alone, when I was 16, I moved seven different times. And so I was the new kid seven different times at a high school in the most fucked up emotional hormonal part of my life. And my daughter's like dinky and hasn't really figured out how to control herself yet. You know, and that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize with kids. They haven't figured out how to control their emotions and shit. And so it's always sit down, shut up. And I'm like, go ahead, rage. What do you need to do? Do you need to hit something? Like, what's up? Like, I'm just, I, I guess I'm a little hippie, but I'm also a little bit strict at the same time. Uh, I've had people be like, dude, you need to relax a little bit. And it's like, I don't know the normal of how to raise somebody because like I wasn't raised normal so I'm trying but the whole time during this uh there's a lot of interpersonal issues with me and my uh now ex-husband um you know intimacy falls um and I'm not talking sex either I'm just saying intimacy really left he kind of went and did his thing I went and did my thing and um we just the lack of communication and then I think and this is just me personally he never will admit to it but the fact that I left a lot of shit in the house because I grabbed important paperwork the dogs diapers the kids and and cell phone chargers and shit and that was that was it I didn't grab anything else because I thought my house would still be there and I think that he harbors a lot of resentment towards me because of all the shit that burned down. But I was like, my thought process being a mom, I'm like mama bear mode. Like it's time to protect the babies. Like I don't give a fuck about my shit. Like, and I didn't at the time. I do kind of now cause I miss a few things, but um, yeah. So I think that there was a lot of resentment between him and I, and then it just, it kept getting more and more toxic. We were spitting fucking venom at each other a lot. And I would escape and go to open mics and I would escape and uh, go and, and write comedy and I would go and escape and fucking like just zone out and watch comedy specials all the time, 24 hours. Like all it was, all for me at that point was comedy besides when I had to take care of my kids, obviously that is first in my life. My, my babies are like if I have to walk, <clears throat> excuse me, if I have to walk away from comedy because somehow or another it would save my kids, like that's just one of the things I would do. But 
when it came to my kids and everything, we started noticing some issues with my son and his development and my daughter and her development. And we didn't agree on stuff. And it was just, like I said, we were, <clears throat> excuse me, we were always like fighting there. And then there came a point in time, I think October or September of 2019, he just texted me and said, I think we need a divorce. And I was like, I think you're correct. And then I stuck by it because I kind of felt at that point that there was, there was just too much. There were, it wasn't like too much water under the bridge. It was like, there was too much garbage under the bridge and nothing, no water could flow through it. And so, um, we, I moved out in November of 2019 and, uh, yeah, I freaking I, I moved to Sacramento. I live in a, I live in a six bedroom house now. And, um, basically, um, I, I watched the property. So homeless people don't live here, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I remember talking to like Asia May and freaking Jackie Pearl and all of them and just kind of explaining like some of the stuff that was going on with me and my ex and, and just other things. Cause my mental health was very depleted and it was, it was almost to a point of like snapping and they were like, you have to get out of there. You have, you, you have to, stand up for your mental health you have to stand up for your own well-being and i when i did that it was liberating but then at the same time because again the venom that was being spit from him because he was angry and hurt that i followed through with the divorce did not well like bode well and so um i just kind of dove head first into comedy it's like literally any mic that was open i was there anything that was anything that had anything to do with comedy like i was there and that saved me a lot like a lot a lot and then january 2020 fucking bastard <laughs> january 2020 i made the decision to quit drinking because I was enjoying it way too much and it basically turned me into a person that I didn't like anymore. And it was fucking up my comedy sets. Like it made me look unprofessional cause I couldn't, I, I, I wasn't like super fucking them up but I was fucking them up enough to where it didn't look like I had a cohesive set and it didn't look like I was taking it seriously. And I was just like, if I want to pursue this in the manner that I want to pursue this, I need to pull my head out of my ass and, and just kind of go forward. And so I haven't, I haven't drank since the 16th or 17th of January. So it's been about nine months. Did you just quit cold turkey or did you like get? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't um, drink every day. I didn't have that shakes or anything like that, but it was a matter of when I did drink, I drank way too much into excess. And, uh, yeah, I, I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And so I stopped drinking. It's great how much money you save, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because see, I'm one, I'm, I'm the type of person that's just like, I'm having to drink. You want to drink? You're like, oh, man, you know, that's like, I'm worse. always trying to like, 
buy other people a drink, like drink with me, friend, share in my misery. <laughs> like, and at the same time, like there was a lot of people that were like, sure. And then there were other people like, bro, you probably shouldn't drink anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, you're no fun, you know, <laughs> and just like <laughs> hop off to somebody else. But it was, it was a time in my life where um, there was a lot of weird shit going on. And in February of 2020, we thought that my son had lymphoma. We thought that my son had had a form of cancer. And with being newly sober and moving out and all this other stuff, and weirdly, it was before the fucking apocalypse started. Um, <laughs> fucking, it was really cool to see the, not only the women of comedy, but the men of comedy come forward and just be like, bro, we're here for you. If you need us, like, just let us know if you need anything, like, honestly, like, we'll, we'll like, just keep us informed, you know? And it turned out that my son didn't. Um, he does have enlarged uh, lymph nodes for some reason, but um, yeah, and it was just crazy. The, the shit that I've gone through in the last year uh, with the beautiful people of our community, I, I would, I wouldn't trade it for the world because <laughs> it's, it's been one of the most liberating. And I mean, like we're all, we all have our asshole nights and we all have our asshole moments, you know, don't get me wrong, but I have never in my life enjoyed such a group of just fucking in better terms, motley crew of people than I have being in comedy. And when <clears throat> I, what was it? This was in February too, or was it March? It was probably right before the shutdown. I think I was at callback and I was doing my fat girl blue balls joke at uh, the callback. And it's a proud moment for me, but um, I remember doing that joke and uh, fucking Wendy Lewis ha-hawing like hella hard at that joke i was like i'm proud <laughs> I, think I, was, I was there that night i was there yeah yeah I was, that was a fucking doubt and then afterwards i came up and she like kind of like patted me on the shoulder kind of thing like fuck yeah good shit and i was just like <laughs> like i fangirled out a little bit i was like yeah <laughs> like that was a great set that was like the last week of of comedy because there was like there was the like the callback was like on a monday or tuesday Mm -hmm. And then uh, I did a show with like uh, Daniel Humbarger produced a show there a couple nights later that I was on. And then uh, the next week it was shut down. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I've only had a few interactions with Daniel. I've only mostly seen him on online for the capital punishment that they do. Yeah. I fucking love puns. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't realize how much I love them. Until like I went back in my timeline because I, I used to like, uh, there's these pun guys, I think they're from Canada or some shit, but they like, I apparently never realized that I was like a fan of these things. And so I was like, huh. And so I saw a pop up for a U the UK pun off and I watched that. And then um, I had saw Daniel and Damien both promoting capital punishment and I'm like what the fuck is this and so like I went and saw it like on, it, this is all online 
and uh because it's COVID time and i watched it and i was like this is fucking rad and so uh yeah now i'm now i'm actively trying to be a pun like not in my set but like just making puns like online and other stuff just because it's it's fun it makes it it takes you out of your brain for a little bit yeah when you're trying to make these and it's nice with covid and everything else it's like i'm gonna take an hour out of my day put on the tunes i there's a like punpedia or whatever it gives you like ideas on how to use puns and shit like that and so i'm literally on the whiteboard in my room like writing out puns and looking at them writing out other puns and i'm like these are good <laughs> i i i cannot write a pun to save my life i i can't do it and when i when i watch people do puns like it just blows my mind that how they're able to get from a to b in that in that way i if I can't do it. Yeah, there's a there's a guy on the UK pun off named Love Dev, and he he reached out to me because apparently he liked my pun. It was a pun about phones, and basically it was I had fallen asleep with my phone underneath my pillow, and when I woke up, uh, there was a five dollar bill under there, and I was like, that goddamn Bluetooth fairy, and so if. <laughs> And he liked that one, and he's like, do you want to be on the show? And I was like, fuck off. Really? Me? Really? <laughs> like, I've never done a pun show before. And so, um, so yeah, I get, to, I get to do that, and I have to wait until after tomorrow or the next day or whenever it is to get my actual topics because uh, they, the cool thing about them is they give you your topics ahead of time, and you get to kind of, like, procure a few of your – you know, make them beforehand and, and they have different rounds. Now, Capital Punishment, I probably will never be on that show because it's, like they say, it's like eight mile fucking and dad jokes. And I was like, there's no, I couldn't battle someone and just quick-witted like that because it takes me forever just to think of the one that I got. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I can't think that fast. I can't. Yeah, I no, no. Like, I think the last time I was, uh, the last week, Tuesday, this last Tuesday, I was on there and I was, they were like, dance. And I was like, hmm. So I was looking up stuff and, and I was trying to think and I was just like, hmm. And I was like, I like to go to the ballet. I saw a little person there. She was the girl with the dragon tutu. Like that took me fucking like a few minutes to get, like to fucking write out. And I was like, God oh my damn. Gosh. Like, it took me forever. And it was just like, Cause I try and I try and think of like, cause I love Star Wars and I love Marvel, and so I'm always trying to figure out puns for that, and it fucking takes me forever just to figure out one, because like I overthink it, and I'm like, well, they're gonna think I'm not nerd enough, or they're gonna think that I'm a fucking nerd, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So like, I try, I I like bringing that aspect and. I love being a nerd. Like, it's just, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but like, I just bought a fuchsia lightsaber. No. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's not like the little crappy ones you get at the store for like $2.99 either. Like, this is like, you, you've seen those videos where people cosplay and actually fight with lightsabers. Yeah. Like, this is that great. Wow. Like, I could, I could hurt somebody probably with it, but I'm not going to because I am a Jedi. But I, there you go. I think the thing with nerddom, though, is that you never can nerd enough. So I think you're, yeah. you're safe with the, with the, you're never going to be too much of a nerd because there's, <laughs> there's always going to be somebody that can out nerd you. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, trust me. Especially in this town. (laughs) Oh dude, to some that I've seen and, and everything, I look like a fucking tourist. And I had said that to someone before and they're like, it's not a competition. I'm like, I understand this, but like, I thought I was a fan, but bro, you fucking take it to a new level. My, my, my favorite nerd is Nicole Eichenberg. She's my favorite nerd. Yeah, her. I steal memes from her all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're always punny pe- punny memes too. Yeah. So, oh my god, I remember. I never knew that memes was said as memes. I used to call them memes. Because <laughs> okay, look. All right. So here's the thing. I used to be homeless from like 18 to about 24, on and off, mostly. Uh, uh, on being homeless and living under bridges and shit like that. So what like, the fuck? Really... Why didn't you bring that up earlier? Wow. Yeah, like I said, I've lived a weird life. No, when I turned eighteen, uh, I was literally the day I turned eighteen on my eighteenth birthday. I got booted out of the group home that I was living in, uh-huh. and so basically it was me, a couple trash bags, and a and a few backpacks. And oh, shit. I went and slept underneath the bridge next to my high school and I had a little alarm clock and like I had my clothes and I kept everything really tight and shit so that my stuff didn't get dirty and I didn't look like a I didn't look like pig pen trying to go to school you know because I was still in high school and uh we had an alarm clock and everything because me there's a couple of other adults like adult adults down there and they would if I didn't wake up they'd throw shit at me get up and go to school so that was pretty fun but um but yeah, I uh, I had a lot of cool teachers and other folks that would like let me take showers at their house. I'm not gonna name them because that that's kind of like overstepping, potentially overstepping for some teachers, even though I was 18 years old. But um, I don't want to I don't want to risk their jobs potentially. But yeah, I had some really cool um, teachers and friends and shit that would let me do laundry and all that stuff at their house. I, uh, I actually graduated January 23rd, 2003, um, and I turned 18 January 6th, 2003, and um, what had happened was is I didn't realize that my transcript got screwed up because it's one of the things that happens when you're a foster kid, and so I was looking at it, and I was like, I have a shit ton of, like, science like why does it say i don't have anything so i went and they double checked it and uh they were like yeah no you actually um you just need uh uh half a credit in history and uh to pass your math comp and you're graduated and i was like excuse me (laughs) so um but yeah i had graduated early um and then it was just it wasn't all uh on other people i had made some poor life decisions and so um yeah i i had been homeless from the age of 18 to almost 24 25 and so i had finally gotten a laptop and so i'm on there and i'm I'm facebooking like i because i never had really facebooked i didn't have a cell phone or anything like that and so um i'm finding this out and i'm learning about mimi's And I thought for the longest time, I'm like, yeah, did you see this Mimi and everything? People are looking at me like, hello. (laughs) And I was like, why do you keep looking at me like that? And they're all, it's called a meme. And I was like, oh, oh, good to know. 
Well, those are funny too. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think of it then, but I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Well, now I know what this is. It was such a humbling moment because I was so like adamant. It was called a Mimi. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. This is, it's crazy. Like the world in and of itself right now is just crazy. Social unrest, which I um, am for in a sense, but you know, the COVID and being stuck in the house and mental health and all that other stuff. Uh, One of the things that I will say, like, that made me really proud to be a part of the comedy community is when the the beginning of the uh, Black Lives Matter protests happened, because I do photography, and I went out there for all that, and uh, just keeping with the, the, you know, we are family kind of shit, like, literally throughout the whole day, like, so many comics came out. And I was really proud of them. Again, won't name who they are. I'll, I'll respect their anonymity, but I fucking, I was out there and just, you know, and I would listen to them and stuff and, and, and hear what they were saying and other people were saying. And I was just like, I'm so blessed to be around such a fucking awesome group of people. And that's one of the things that I love about, again, about our scene and about what we do. We bring, we're, we're willing to stand arm in arm together when the, when the, when it's needed to be. And when it's not, we will talk shit and dump on you when you bomb. So it's even better. <laughs> oh man, Jessica, this has been such an eye-opening uh, hour uh, spent with you listening <laughs> to these. I mean, I knew, I knew you had a backstory, you know, you touch on it in your comedy, uh, mm-hmm. you touch on it in your, in your Facebook posts, but. I, I had no idea, like, you know, uh, how much uh, resolve you have and that you're still, I mean, and I'm, and I'm uh, excited uh, and eager and anticipating to see, like, what's next for you, man. And I, and I really commend you for everything that you've, that you've been able to overcome. And, and I, I, I'm really, I'm glad to say you're my friend. Oh, me too. Me too. Buddy was asking me uh, if I was going to do the obscure movie trivia this week. And I was like, no. And he's like, but Jesse's on it. And I was like, oh, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. just like, what? And I was like, yeah, I've been, I've been trying to go against him for a while now. Yeah. The other peasants are not worthy. <laughs> I told him I wanted to do Grease. I don't know if that's going to work out. Um, uh, yeah, no, that's what he told me. And okay, so I cool. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm down. Yeah, I told him <laughs> I wanted to do Grease. So hopefully, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome if that happens. Yeah. Man, um, Jessica, th- thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll see you soon uh, on a comedy show, and and hopefully when everything opens back up, it's starting to open back up, and it's starting to. I, I went to uh, uh, I went to the comedy in the park, Miriam Musavi's. That's that's really awesome. I and like I, her. She's very. Yeah. They're very. Um, what's the word? Um, cool. I don't know. <laughs> not just cool, but they're very protective. They make yeah. sure like they're very COVID compliant. Yep. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So it's, and I it's went, nice to go to those. I went to Vince's the other night and it, it felt safe too. I didn't go last night. I really wanted to go last night, but I went the, I went a couple weeks ago. There was really good. so many fucking people there last night. Like, oh, really? It, yeah. was it like it wasn't audience members. It was just like so many comics because it's pretty much one of the only goddamn mics going. And the weather is so nice again. So Bro, oh bro. Yes, it is almost sweatshirt season. I'm so happy. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at my hoodies the other day. I think I need to order myself a stab hoodie before he takes down those pre-orders. 
so yeah. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, Stab's got some hoodies on on pre order right now, and, and they I have think, stickers. Have you did you see yeah. their stickers? They're pretty neat. Yeah, but you know, you know whose sticker game is the strongest in this town. Come on, dude! Man. I got your magnet on my freaking. I got your magnet right on my freaking uh, refrigerator. It holds looking, up one of my kids' favorite freaking drawings. I have new stickers. I have stickers, coasters, and you I got stickers. Yeah, I have new stickers. Um, oh, I, want one. I don't know where they're. I thought I had one laying around here somewhere. Damn, because um, like I, what I do is like people that I enjoy. Because I don't enjoy everybody, sadly enough. I'm not going <laughs> to blow smoke up everyone's ass, but people that I really, really enjoy or like uh, uh, venues and stuff, I put their their sticker and shit on top of my laptop. Look, do you have a Danny D sticker? I do have a Danny D sticker. I have a Danny D sticker. I have a look. I have a Dope Room sticker. Love oh, horrors. I wish I had one. I want one of those. Oh, I, 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 I think I can get you a Love Horror sticker. I know, I know people. Oh. <laughs> I absolutely, oh my god, when you guys did Love Horrors and it was the male, like, baby shower, I was fucking dying, dude. Like, I was so dying because it was just the way it was said and, and done and everything. I was like, oh my god, this would really fucking be. Like, this would uh, be how, like, men would do it. The you was, was so much fun about that is, like, that was the first day a lot of us uh, first came out. And and from quarantine and and, and oh, interacted wow. with other people like, like just like the week leading up to that, I was like, okay, who's gonna be there? And then like, okay, yeah, I haven't seen him doing stupid shit on his Facebook, so you know, uh, yeah, like I felt yeah. safe with all those cats and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, love horrors, they're they're amazing, <laughs> and I I'm pretty sure I can score you a love horror sticker. That would be awesome. <laughs> love, those girls, oh, they're they're fantastic. I love them. Yeah, they're amazing, and they just keep doing new stuff. Like, like every time you like, once you've seen like, once they put something out, like they're like, already working. More. They're they're already working on more. They're already editing something or writing something, and like, they're, they're amazing. What was, what was the one about the vagina egg or whatever the fuck that shit was? Where they where Emily pulled the jeep? The fucking <laughs> that that killed me. I was sitting there like, I don't what. Oh, that's that's crazy! But at the same time, you know there would be an infomercial about some shit like that. Like you too could pull a truck, brother. <laughs> I don't know. I just I love them. I love seeing the creativity that has been coming out of the comedians in quarantine. Right, because we haven't been able to do our regular stuff, so we got forced to uh, put our yeah, podcasts on YouTube. A, I started a show too, and I'm just like. I don't even know how these motherfuckers do it. Because, like, it is so stressful trying to put on a show even online. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Ugh. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. All right, Jessica. Let's wrap it up, man. Um, All right. I'll, I'll talk to you soon, and, and, I'll, and I'll get this posted, and, and I, I appreciate you, and I'll, I'll see you soon, buddy. Okay. All right, man. Take care, Jessica. You too, man. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.